This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Hello everyone. Takaho. Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. 안녕하세요. Assalamu alaikum. And Kiora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz.
and you are listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Connecting Cultures Features, a show by for and about the multicultural people of Dunedin and New Zealand. So I'm here today with Dr. Hafsa Ahmed, the co-founder and trustee for the Lady. Khadija Charitable Trust, uh, based in Christchurch, um, here to share with us about her life. Um, I've known her for a while, and I'm just really excited to be speaking to her today. Kia ora, Hafsa. Kia ora, salam alaikum, Arina. Waalaikum salam. Thank you so much for being here. How are you? Thank you for having me. I am well, just a little nervous, but I think I can deal with it. <laughs> It's so funny because you're a lecturer and you've done all these media things for a while, but you're still feeling nervous when you're talking to me. It's, it's good to be nervous. It's good to be nervous. Yes. Um, and it really helps to put like the human side of you as well um, in this interview, um, which I really appreciate. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Uh, so for... People who don't know you, would you mind giving them an uh, introduction? Oh, right. So I came to New Zealand. So originally, I am from India, from a city called Hyderabad. So I have lived, I was born there. I have lived uh, quite a few years of my life there. And I was working in the corporate sector there as um, as a manager of operations and um, then I was looking for work-life balance, and the only way I could get work-life balance after getting married was to move to a different country because corporate sector life does get really busy. So my husband and I, we decided we uh, I wanted to pursue my PhD. So I always wanted to because my father was a professor, so I thought, oh, I should follow that dream. So I applied for a few universities here in New Zealand and I came to Lincoln because they made me an offer. So my life started in New Zealand from Lincoln and I now live in Lincoln as well and I work for Lincoln University. So I'm an alumni of Lincoln University and now an employee. I love work being part of Lincoln. It's just I think there's something about this place that I feel quite connected to. So it's in Tereo, it's Waikirikiri. Uh, that's the name for uh, Selvan District. That's where I am, and uh, that so my that's what to do with my day job. But um, uh, right now over here, I've got my family, so I've got my husband, and I've got two kids, uh, a daughter and a son, and uh, we run a, uh, and I am the co-founder of uh, Lady Khadija Charitable Trust, which is basically was established in 2016, so we've been working to help improve communities through a lot of different projects, and I'll talk more about it later. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, and I guess that's probably a good intro, and I guess I even 15 years down the lane, I still feel cold here, so... <laughs> even though it's been 15 years. <laughs> well, I'm still getting used to it. Yeah. Oh, that is, like... A perfect introduction. Thank you for sharing that. And I can relate when you said that, uh, you know, there's something about Lincoln from because you started there and now you're still there. You're living there. You can't escape. <laughs> That's me with the Neiden. Like um, I came here with my dad when he was a student and I just can't even escape the neighborhood. Like I'm still in the valley, you know. <laughs> 
Oh wow! Yeah, oh, wow! <laughs> yeah, I didn't even move my neighborhood. I'm still there. Um, so yeah, there is something about like wanting connection with a place you're familiar with, right? Yeah, um, yeah, totally. Yeah. So let's talk about your cultural identity. How would you describe yours? So my cultural identity, I will describe myself as uh, uh, as a Muslim Indian Kiwi. Now mm-hmm. that I'm a New Zealand citizen, so that's how I'd like to define myself because my two values in life are faith and freedom. So I associate strongly myself with my faith. I'm a Muslim by practice, so that is very big part of my life. So, uh, and that's what I probably say is is more like kind of sits as the first priority. And then I am Indian because I was born there and I have my roots back in India, and then in New Zealand, which is kind of like home as well. So those three things kind of make me up. Mm, he just showed me a triangle shape. Uh, that that's a perfect um, like metaphor of your culture. It's really interesting. Yes. Um, and growing up in India, do you still have any like traditions or values that you still hold today and anything that you, you know, cherish from back home? Mm, that's a hard one because there's so many of them. I can't, it'll be hard to pick one. Mm. But I think um, if I reflect back and, you know, just in a moment of uh, thought, the the tradition that I cherish the most is the one f- of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. You know, she used to, and I don't know if this is common practice anywhere else, but we used to in India uh, make pickles, you know, and, you know, the pickles, that Indian pickles that you get ah. in the store. So my grandma used to make those every summer. She'd have so many green mangoes cut out and delivered to her by someone, and then she'd make uh, the pickle herself at home. What what she would do is that she'd make so much that she'd distribute to the neighborhood <laughs> and to families that, you know, she knows and are relatives. I think that uh, quality of hers, of giving, I, I really want to hold on to as an individual. And I, I, I strongly feel that that's what I want to strive to be like, you know, someone who's who's not giving away pickles, but you know, giving, giving to the community. <laughs> Do you have her pickle recipe by any chance? No, I don't. I might ask my mom for it. Yeah. But, you know, that I think that's the strongest memory I have. Yeah. I talk about it often to my kids as well. You know, my grandma used to do this. And so, because um, I think that's, yeah, that's something I want to hold on to. You know, something really beautiful about like Southeast Asian and South Asian culture is like their. Um, love language is acts of service so they they do so much and then because they have so much they give away to people and that's like how they show appreciation to people um it's really interesting how you know your grandma does pickles but a lot of other grandmas do a lot of different things and um yeah like they have a lot in common as well they mm. do, they do. And I love how you put it, like the love language is acts of service. I'm going to adopt that for yes. my introduction now. Yes, no. Um, like oh. it, being being Southeast Asian made me realize how important 
uh, acts of service is. Like this is this is random, but like we talked about how customer service is something, um, you know, very important for people back home. But here it's like if you work in a cafe, people will ask like, oh, you know, wh- what happened, you know. But actually, people are enjoying acts of service, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, so oh that's gosh, just. I a, love that. I love. I love how you put it. So yeah. yeah. Thank you, Marina. <laughs> I love how you're making notes in this interview. <laughs> Uh, you're always learning yeah i love this um okay coming back to your culture so you migrated um to new zealand with your husband um how did it feel to be suddenly you know needing to go to a different country um have you you know been overseas before was it normal for you to just move Mm. Prior to coming to New Zealand, I had the opportunity to go to the UK for two months from my company because uh, at that point in time I was working for HSBC. So they had sent me to the UK, but I was responsible for some corporate work. So when I went there, I had never left home as a kid or as the firstborn of the family alone ever. I traveled with my father and my mother because he used to work in Africa and Sudan as a professor and then lived in the Middle East as well. But, you know, always with the family. So there was never any challenges for me. But when I went to the UK, here I am a 20-ish, 23, I think, 23 years old, traveling to the UK. My biggest shock was food. Mm-hmm. It was my biggest shock. I really got a culture shock there because every day mom used to make the, you know, the traditional Indian food. Mm-hmm. So for me going to the UK and being put up in, 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 in a really good hotel and you have continental breakfast <laughs> and I'm looking at it and going, wow, what am I supposed to eat here? Mm-hmm. I So I struggled there for one week and then realized I really need to eat. Yeah. Okay. So when I came to New Zealand, I knew that it was just going to be a reflection of what the UK was for me. Mm. Because when I went to the UK, the other thing that was a big shock for me was that everything closed at 5 p.m. <laughs> mm. So when we came to New Zealand, I think I kind of anticipated that. And I was like, oh, it's all going to close at 5 p.m. We're not going to have much. But I think when we came to New Zealand... Uh, the, uh, it was a shock for us in terms of how many people are here, mm. you know, because coming from a big city like Hyderabad, which had around 11 million people. Yeah. Oh, my God. Coming to Christchurch, which is which has not got a lot of people. Oh. And then coming to Lincoln, yeah. which is like, yeah, very, a few thousand people. It was a big shock to run. But I think we we loved it because of the 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 calmness that it brought to our lives. Mm. Can you describe the kind, the calmness? How does it feel? I think I, I always say that I've refound myself when I came to New Zealand because you know, and um, one of the things that I always liked, and I think it goes back to the whole idea of service. You know, uh, growing up as a kid, I always admired my grandmother for her service. Then I started to admire Mother Teresa for her service, and she was a big person who served in India to the to the communities which were which needed support and help 
So I always wanted to kind of go down that pathway of service. But once you grow up in, in India, you're quite caught up in that struggle of survival. You have to study. And then once you finish study, you want to get a job because there's competitiveness there. So you're always competing to be the best and you want to move forward and forward and forward and get up the ladder. But when I came to New Zealand, I got that opportunity to hit pause on my life mm -hmm. because I was a student here. I was starting fresh. I struggled to get jobs, which is another story. But then what it allowed me to do was figure out who I really am and what I really want to do. And I think that's kind of led to the outcome of um, setting up Lady Khadija Charitable Trust and now having its uh, – and the trust having its own identity in relation to serving the community. Mm. So, yeah, that was a kind of stillness it brought to to my life. Mm. Thank you for that reflection. Um, so when you came here, um, besides the food, were there anything else that you feel was a challenge for you? I think the other challenge was um, – If if I were to, you know, there are two different aspects, I guess. The first one is the physical one, which is the temperatures. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the temperature was still was a very big challenge. and Still a challenge. Guess, yeah, so it still is. <clears throat> But the other one was trying to get a job. You know, having worked in the corporate sector in a, in a middle management position in a bank, business, in a British bank, I thought I was good enough to get a job mm. here but I did struggle I struggled quite a bit to find a good job here and and one day like I applied for quite a few jobs I could go in the hundreds then one day I had the courage to go and say so ask one of the employees and I said what is really wrong with my CV I thought I have good experience and they just went you're actually overqualified for this <gasps> and I Okay, so what do you think I should do? Uh, just cut out stuff from your CV and just say you're a student. And, and I actually did that. And that helped me get my first job. I had to start from right off from the beginning. So I started off as a customer service rep at like a reception yeah. at the laptop service company. That's good. Yeah, which was just great. You know, I was a student. Again, I didn't have too many responsibilities. So I could study and then do this for 20 hours. At that time, we were allowed 20 hours. So I was like, okay, that's good. So that's helped me kind of also understand what New Zealand's like. You yeah. Know? You know, and, and the fact that, you know, after that, it helped me understand the workplace ethic and understand how the New Zealand culture, New Zealand work work environments so that's helped me grow quite a bit in terms of knowing New Zealand mm. Th that's very important right because once you're in the job market that's when you know you gain more experiences from that and yeah. that helps you to move forward um, mm. yeah it's very interesting how you know you, in order to find your way you have to start small first and you which yes. means you have to minimize yourself which is you know yeah, uh, yeah. Mm. it's kind of like you know you um and you, you spoke about um one of our you know one of our trust project was immigrant journeys which was video documentaries one of the participants talks about it it's like you know you you're uprooting a plant and getting it to a new place it takes time 
and sometimes it doesn't survive. Mm. But I think that's the, the, the most challenging bit is that shift that happens, that you're uprooting yourself and coming to a different place. It takes time to settle and then nourish yourself. Ah. Mm. And that's interesting also when you said that it might die along the way. <laughs> Meaning, no, you know, sometimes are... if you're not resilient enough, you may not be able to survive the challenge that you'd get thrown into. Yeah. You know, and you might go, all right, I'm just going back. I have known people in my life who have gone back and said, no, this is not going to work out. We're not going to be able to survive here mm. where life is here. And I'm sure you know people as well who've gone, yeah. oh, no, this is not working out. Let's just go back. Mm, it's just that they haven't climatized enough to understand yeah. the full situation. Mm. Mm. Um, so what did you wish you knew when you were just settling in to New Zealand back then? <laughs> mm. Oh, very interesting. I think we were very lucky to have a family who kind of guided us when we came here and told us they were here for 10 years. So they kind of told us they were a Pakistani family. So they helped us quite a bit in terms of understanding New Zealand quite a lot. I think one of the things that may have helped us was probably understanding um, the cost of living. Mm. Mm. I think the cost of living is probably not so well articulated. New Zealand's a very expensive country to live in. Yeah. And I guess when you come here as a student, in, and, and I was lucky that my husband came in and he got a job straight away to uh, to be able to support both of us. I think if we didn't have that, then we'd be struggling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing I, I, I suppose, which is probably very... Um, very relevant only to probably Asian cultures would be the idea that you've got to do everything. you got to do... Because, you know, in, in India, we would get house help. We would have people who would help us do, you know, the laundry or the cleaning up of the house and mm. the gardening and, you know, maintaining the house itself. But over here, you are everything. You are the maid of the the house through to the queen of the house. You, know? mm. you kind of sit on that spectrum. Mm-hmm. So that's something I, I was a bit hard for me, particularly because, you know, I was the the, the oldest family, um, oldest child in my family, came from a very good family, which is privileged. So we had house help all mm-hmm. the time. <clears throat> so coming here and trying to do it all myself, I still struggle. I'm like, oh, this is hard. <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I don't want to do this. <laughs> I have to cook. I have to even think what to cook. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one thing I'd probably say is, you know, if I had known that, I'd probably still come here, hmm. but with a different mindset. Yeah. I think you were just yeah. not aware of the yeah, full situation. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'm interested to know any family traditions you have with your family because you have a small family in Christchurch now. You have a daughter and a son. Um, what mm. are kinds of values or traditions that you um, teach them or have with them um, alongside being in New Zealand? Mm. 
You got very hard questions. <laughs> these, are, these are just everyday life questions, I think. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one of the, and this is actually not a uh, a tradition. I think I'm breaking away from tradition here, Ooh. from my family tradition, which is, you know, we, uh, when we were growing up, we were always told that, you know, you just do what the elders tell you to do. Hmm. You don't ask questions. <clears throat> but I didn't like that approach, obviously. <laughs> yeah. So... One of the things I consciously try and instill in my children is that they get the opportunity to question me on things that I say. Well, sometimes, obviously, they don't. Mm. <laughs> but, but, you know, there are times when they have the opportunity to sit down and provide feedback to us. You know, um, the other day, my son just said, Mom, you're all over the place. <laughs> What does that mean? <laughs> because, you know, I was just having a very stressful day. Yeah. So he just went, Mom, you're all over the place. I was like, wow, that is actually powerful because then it goes, because if I was in India, I can never say that to my mom. Yes. I could never say that. So I think that's what I want to instill in my children, that they have the opportunity to respectfully disagree about things that they do not appreciate mm. about what I'm saying or what I'm doing. So they have a, a voice. They are members of this family who can contribute. Mm. I think growing up, one of the things that we've uh, always struggled with is, um, you know, we didn't, we did not have an opportunity to say what we felt we wanted it to be because, you know, there are different uh, value systems that we grew up with. And one of that was that you do not speak up when the elders are speaking. You do not speak against them or you do not challenge them. Obviously, we wouldn't have done that in a bad way, but there was never that opportunity that existed. Yeah. But I want that to be in my children where they have that opportunity because it's about diversity of thought. Mm. And, you know, I might have a viewpoint which comes from and is influenced by my, my narrative in life, but they will have a different viewpoint through their narrative in life. And it's important to have that, particularly if you want to make decisions as a family. Mm. I really love this conversation. And I really like that you mentioned diversity of thought because mm. um, it also means that your children can represent their voice as their generation because mm. like, we can never understand them um, yeah. and we can never be them. So it's good that they're practicing how mm. to raise their voice um, not raise like voice, like screaming, but <laughs> raising their thoughts um, and, you know, communicate efficiently because there will be times in the future outside of the house when they need to do that. Hmm. I think, um, yes, I. it is such a South Asian, Southeast Asian struggle to be doing <laughs> that. And I can totally reflect on that. Um <laughs> And it's that it just it's not even just like home. Like even at school, you know, um, you can never say a teacher is wrong, even though she's mm. clearly wrong in some things. Yeah. Um, but here, you know, people can have open conversations and provide feedback to the teachers. Um, meanwhile, you know, back home, it's like the teacher sits in this pedestal where you cannot touch or say anything that made me reflect a lot about you know 
our cultures. Hmm. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. <laughs> um, we might go on a song break, and right. <laughs> I asked if you have a favorite non-English song for us to play today. Um, yeah. So, do you have one of your favorites that you listen to? <laughs> Yes, yes. Um, because I was brought up in India, I'm quite connected to Bollywood. Okay. <laughs> so there is this song from a movie which came out probably 2000s, I think. So the movie in in Hindi, I'm just going to say the Hindi name was Kal Ho Na Ho, which means, you know, tomorrow may or may not be there. And mm. there's the title song from that called um, Kal Ho Na Ho. So you might find it online and that's the song that i'd suggest okay so thank you so much for bringing that song for us and we'll be right back after the song break Thank you. 
Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM. I'm Marina, and I'm here with Hafsa Ahmed, uh, the co-founder and trustee of Lady Khadija Charitable Trust based in Christchurch. I'm here to talk about her professional and personal journey, and we're also going to talk about the trust and know more about it. Kia ora, Hafsa. Assalamualaikum. Assalamualaikum, Marina. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for the song you brought for us. Um, I really... You know, as a Malaysian, we actually grew up with Bollywood movies because we have a lot of Ooh. lots of Indians there as well. So, uh, my dad is a big fan of Bollywood movies, and you know, I'm sure this is one of the songs that we used to listen to as well growing up. <laughs> um, You're making me feel old, Arina. Uh, no. <laughs> Well, well, it's you know it's a song yeah, that yeah, all good, good. the generations can listen to. Um, <laughs> okay, so let's talk about the Lady Khadija Charitable Trust. Um, would you mind sharing with us how it started, how it was born, um, what do you guys do, and how many sure. members of the team there are? Sure, no, no, that's not a problem. So, uh, Lady Khadija Trust, we established it in, back in 2016. Now, um, the the plans for establishing it were very old. Like I said, when I came to New Zealand, I kind of hit pause on my life and realized what I wanted to be. And that helped me kind of put together the plans that I want to be uh, be in the community, serving the community, and how can I do that? So in New Zealand, uh, I thought the best way to do it was through establishing a formal entity. So the idea was that we establish a formal entity so we can contribute more as a community back to the community. 
So we set it up in 2016. And the whole reason we wanted to approach it with that tagline of empowering communities through compassion, we wanted to set the axis of Lady Khadija Trust as compassion. Because, you know, we, we often talk about kindness or, you know, similar words. We wanted to do that right up from the beginning, that it was not us about um, going around doing things differently. It was more about doing things with compassion, which mean, which also means that we work with organizations more and collaborate more with organizations who are doing good in the community. So we go and join them up. And that's why we said empowering communities through compassion. It is an approach which we are not setting up, but the individuals are, and we are just empowering it with, you know, the kind of nurturing it. And you see that in our logo as well, that it's about holding hands and moving forward together. The intention, because I, and I talk, keep talking about the intention, the intention, uh, again, I want to go back to the, the holy book of our religion, which is the Holy Quran. There, there are quite a few verses in the Quran which talk about Amru bil Maruf and Nahiyan al Munkar. So the enjoining of good and forbidding of evil. So that was the whole intention of Lady Khadija Charitable Trust. You know, we are more about enjoining good. We encourage people to do more good. You know, it can be done through Lady Khadija Trust or Lady Khadija Trust joins hands with those who are doing good. So we keep doing that. And it's about forbidding evil in the sense that if anyone's doing something wrong, we need to um, challenge that and go, that's not the right way to do it kind of a thing. To say that you know you're not allowed to spread evil in the, in the community, so that's that's kind of a brief overview of what we are and what we do. Hmm. Thank you. That's that's a good um, you know information to know. Um, how many people are there in the trust? Like, is it like a membership thing? No, it's not a membership thing. So when we set it up, it was a very small trust. We didn't have a lot of financial stuff happening because for us, it wasn't about getting money and trying to do things differently. So when we set it up, so my husband and I are the co-founders. And what we have been trying to do in the past you know, six years, I guess, is actually going and working with other charities. So what we'd do is we'd connect different charities together to say that, all oh, right, this is the you know this charity is doing something great. Can we create a group of volunteers? So for example, there was a charity called Help for the Homeless, which came up after the Christchurch earthquake, which used to provide meals to the homeless community here in Christchurch. So it's now called Kai for the Community. So what we used to do was, okay, we don't want to reinvent the wheel here. Let's go ahead and find a group of volunteers who are keen to come and prepare meals for around 50 to 60 people. So we'd go and serve the meal. So it was just about supporting the other charities. Mm. So, but over the years, our projects have grown. So what we do have are youth volunteers who come in and work for us and then go away. We have contractors who we bring along and pay to deliver the work we want delivered because we have different projects doing different things so we kind of employ people i'd say not like paid salaries but contract-based salaries Mm. Mm. so far what's your favorite memory of you know working with lady khadija trust the oh that's a hard one that's a hard one we've done so many 
projects. I think my favorite one has been Immigrant Journeys. Mm. My most favorite one has been Immigrant Journeys. Well, not only did I learn so much about individuals who call New Zealand home, it taught me so much about media and communication. I think because, look, my background is business management and project management, so I'm a project manager. I was project managing it, but then what it taught me was a lot more, and it taught me the power of storytelling. Mm. It's just amazing what stories can do and have the capability to achieve. Can you share with us about Immigrant Journeys for people who are not aware of it? Sure, sure. So Immigrant Journeys is kind of video documentary series of 23 different immigrants or their families who call Greater Christchurch home. And we did this project over a period of one and a, well, well, maybe two years, actually. So all the stories sit on a website called immigrantjourneys.org.nz. So people can uh, go and have a look at these stories. And what you see there is that, um, you know, we have individuals from Asia, Africa, North uh, Europe, and we have um, Middle East as well. So we have people who's in South America. So we have stories from all different continents. And it, it captures their struggles, but what they love about New Zealand and what they offer to the New Zealand communities here by being who they are. So, you know, we've got someone uh, who was, who is Dutch and he's a New Zealand triathlete coach. Wow. So he, he coached the Olympics team. So Dr. John Hellemans, I think his story is, you know, Again, very different. Then you've got Reverend Philomena Kinera, who came from Singapore, and she's the faith leader here in Christchurch. Then we've got, um, who else have we got? We've got heaps of people in there. We've got Amanda Smith from South Africa, who is a career convers- who is a career person who has conversations with people about their careers, what they want to do, etc. So you know, there's just diversity of so many people in those stories. So, and that's a good binge watch for people who want to sit. <laughs> How many episodes is one? 23. Okay. 20 minutes each. So, you know, if you, you, when, when you sit down with it, you just love, you know, you can choose. They're just so, so amazing, such amazing stories, mm. such amazing stories. That's beautiful. I like that, uh, you know, you also showcase what they can offer because I think that was like a really important part about uh, sharing immigrant stories that people don't understand and people don't really appreciate you know there are oh yes more than i think that that was a very big part when we started off our project we were very specific that we wanted people who are contributing back to new zealand Mm. because often the narrative is that immigrants don't contribute back but and that's why we had to go with skilled migrants Mm. You know, we were very specific that people who had been here as skilled migrants are the ones who we are going to interview and showcase their stories. Yeah. Mm. And what kind of feedback have you heard about the project after it aired? I think everyone's loved the project because, you know, within one year, we had our one year anniversary on on 25th of October. By that time, we had hit 30,000 views on our website. We had the exhibition of the project at Canterbury Museum, 
Christchurch City Library, the biggest library in the city, which is Turanga, and Waimakari District Council and Selwyn District Council. So the exhibitions kind of traveled across Greater Christchurch. And we'll ho- we are hoping we can take it further because, you know, w- w- the way we treated the project was um, the those who shared their stories with us gifted us their stories. So we wanted to continue that gift of giving mm. by giving it away to libraries who want it or museums who want it so that it's, you know, if it was a commercial project, we would hold on to it very tightly mm. and go, no, no, it's our copyright. It's, not. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, I think it was the funders like Ministry for Ethnic Communities, Rada Foundation and Christchurch City Council who enabled us to, to deliver this project. And because it is from the community, we think it needs to go back into the community. Yeah, thank, yeah, and thank you for sharing like how it works as well um, with you know sharing uh, the medium to other platforms, and especially you know community platforms where people go and actually watch and listen and know they want to learn more about the place they live. Mm. Mm, yeah. Mm. Um. So what? did you learn from the project you know personally like how does it change you i think there was just one um then i spoke about it earlier as well there was one interview um so there were actually there were two 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 interviews that really touched me quite a lot because i would be part of the project team we would sit for each of these interviews you know behind the scenes so there was one interview with Shuba Narayan, who, which is on Immigrant Journeys. And, you know, she, when she was coming to New Zealand, and she came to New Zealand quite late in life, and she asked her grandmother about advice coming to a new country. And that uh, advice was, you know, you're uprooting yourself and going to a new place. You have to be resilient and take whatever life gives you. The other one that just was like I went it was like an hour moment John Hellemans the triathlete coach you'd think that you know his advice um, would be you know how would you measure success so one of the things that we asked him and well, the, well John asked in the interview was so what do you want your daughters um, to think about you you know and being a triathlete you'd expect that he'd give some competitive answer like you know something very hardcore and he said I just want my daughters to think that I was kind to them. Oh. <laughs> hey, I told you, you yeah. get that. I was, that was the moment I went, wow. Mm. Here's a man who's done so much, who's done like the top-notch uh, high-performance coaching perhaps, and all he's got to say is he wants his daughters to think that he was a kind person. Which tells you quite a lot about our priorities. In yes. Life. Oh my God, that makes me think about you know just life in general. What have, what have we been doing? What are we chasing in life? True, very um, true. That's that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah. Like all we need is for our daughters to think we're kind. I, I think that was <sighs> the the statement that I loved the most, and I still hold on to it. Yeah. Mm. That is so important because. Like, you know, you're a parent and you, you would be able to relate to that. I could, um, maybe I can imagine like my sister being proud of me, right? Mm. Um, like, how, how do we want them to, ins- to be inspired by us? Like, at what mm. attributes is inspiring so that they can 
remember that part of us, right? Yeah, yeah. <sighs> well, <laughs> that completely shifts the emotion of the interview. Thank you yeah, for sharing yeah. that. Um, oh, so you're also hosting a conference very soon. Do you want to share yes. about that? Yes. So, uh, like we said, you know, our motto is about empowering communities through compassion. So, we have been doing the Together in Humanity event for three years now. It's oh. more like um, an interfaith dialogue. It started off as an interfaith dialogue. And now we are starting to look at interfaith working together to support the community we are part of. Mm -hmm. So the focus this year for the Together in Humanity 2022 event is, um, so the theme is Stronger Together, and we want to focus on helping us resolve homelessness and food security in Greater Christchurch. So we're bringing in faith leaders from different faiths to come and have a keynote speak and then a few discussions which will follow to look at solutions on how we can uh, support our communities better. I love the theme because it's such an important topic to be talking about right now, especially with inflation and everything, you know, how the economy mm. is um, know, It's just horrible for um, people in the community to even survive with their basic needs. Yes. Um, so yeah, kudos to whoever thought of that. Um, topic because that's a very important thing to be talking about, especially nowadays, um, and also with climate crisis. You know, climate change happening. Mm. Um, there is so many things we can talk about in terms of securing food and also future proofing food um, and homes yes. in general. Mm. Um, that's a very interesting project. Also, it's a conference. Um, when does it happen? So it's on the 24th and 20, sorry, the 25th and 26th of November. Yeah. So it's a two-day conference and you can get more details of it on our Facebook page. So if mm. you just Google Lady Khadija Trust New Zealand on Facebook, we'll get all the details on how to register and come along to the event. It's a free event. So if you just want to come along and make a contribution or listen in to what we talk about, feel free to do that. Mm. So the event is based in Christchurch? Yes, that is right. It is based in Christchurch. Mm, yay. <laughs> um, thank you for sharing that. Um, is there anything else in terms of the Lady Khadija Trust that you're looking forward to? We have one other project, which is kind of progressing through different phases. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I'd if if anyone's listening to this and they can't come to together in humanity i think they can head down to the latest project website called communityofstrangers.org.nz ah. that's a project where we are trying to overcome bias and create belonging in the community so it's a series of phased um video interviews that are going to come out which are going to be again gifted to the community so they can see how things can be done better. Ah. You know, just look at examples of things. So the first phase we looked at online hate and why online hate is becoming a, a big thing in the current environment. Our second phase is focusing on hope, where we'll be sharing stories of hope uh, and how communities created hope after the, the terrorist attack at the mosque. 
in Christchurch. So it's it's something I'm really looking forward to that you can see and you'll see it on the website, all those stories. Mm, thank you for sharing that. That's something I'm looking forward to as well. Um, huh. And you personally, Hafsa, you know, you're, you've been talking a lot about your roles um, and because um, you're doing such amazing things, right? What are you looking forward to in the future? You know, something to do with, um, you know, any personal things that you're working towards? Oh, yes. I'm looking forward to the Christmas break. Oh, yeah. Because then I get some time to sit down and do a lot of reading because yes. I love reading nonfiction books. So I'm whole, I've got a big list of books I want to read. So that's going to be my Christmas thing that I want to do. And next year, I think I'm looking forward to be able to go back to my roots in India. Mm. And like I said, you know, I have been touched and I have just realized the power of storytelling. So when I go back, I think one of the top things on my list is I want to capture the stories of my parents and my grandparents <gasps> and my ancestors and come back with that. Oh my God. That is such a important thing to think about, especially because, you know, we don't have that opportunity to go back um, you know, often. And also, our parents and our grandparents especially have so much wisdom that needs to be yeah. captured and shared. Um, I'm actually really looking forward to that. Is that a personal project or will that be part it is, of it? It's mostly a personal project, but I'll see what I can do to, you know, again, driven by the whole acts of service thing is this something that can be provided to the community so then there's it it enriches the communities that we are part of yes oh i'm really looking forward to that thank you for sharing um one last question you know one more yes (laughs) you are ready to go (laughs) yeah go for it go for it how do you take care of your well-being like my son said mom you're all over the place (laughs) Uh, I I love your son. He's you know he, the the way that he he's very breaks. honest. He was yes. very honest. Uh. So I started to realize, okay, I need to figure out a way to calm down. Mm-hmm. So deliberate um, opportunities that I'm going to start building in because I, this year has been really stressful. I guess even professionally and personally, just because of the amount of work that I've been doing. So I'm hoping that I'll f- put in time to just calm down and uh, make the water a little bit still so then I can see better. Otherwise, it's all muddled up. (laughs) So I'm hoping to do that more now and perhaps build that as a practice in my day-to-day life. Yeah. Well, I I used to do that last year, but this year I was like, oh. (laughs) It's like, whatever, you know, just surviving the day. Yeah, this year has been crazy it, it has been for a lot of people so don't feel like you're the only ones that's not you know um trying to calm yourselves because people are just on survival mode these days yeah yeah, yeah. And, and, and so i'm not the only one all over the place then no no tell that to your son <laughs> i'm not the only one really <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, thank oh, you so much, Hafsa. I really oh, enjoy it. Every time I talk to you, you know, I feel like I exit in a really good feeling. Oh, nice. Mm. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.